think Debbie, that would be about when we first sat down. Debbie Chase uh, came and, and we sat down and, and we talked one day in the office and she had, uh, she'd made a connection with Jennifer Schneider who uh, works with uh, For His Children Orphanage in Ecuador. And to make a long story short, uh, Debbie had kind of felt God placed on her heart uh, to, to lead a team a mission team down to Ecuador. And so um, we started the conversation then and started the, to explore that and what it became explore, from exploration became concrete planning. And it was a great step of faith uh, for Debbie to do this because we didn't have a playbook for this. We've done a lot in the, the years I've been here as your pastor. We have a lot of community outreach and ministries and mission work uh, that we're very proud of and, and seek you know, and, and, and thank God for. But this wasn't something that, w- the foreign trips is not something we've done here. A lot of you have been a part of churches that have, have done that. But this was a first. And, and my prayer was that this will, would and will become kind of a catalyst for more opportunities like that. But, uh, but Debbie took that step of faith and started to work with individuals who were interested. And eventually those who were able to, there was a lot of folks interested, some of you that I'm looking at I know were interested, but then as we narrowed the time, those who were able to do it this week that is coming up. So this Thursday, the names and you see the folks that are listed in your bulletin, nine of our church family members are going to be leaving for Ecuador. They're going to be going down to to be in in ministry and and relationship with the children and the caregivers there with the, the orphanage there and for his children. And before they leave on Thursday, we want to send them with a blessing. We want to, to consecrate this team and, and just lay hands on them and bless them as, as they prepare to leave. So I'm going to start by asking the, the members of the team to come forward. I'm going to ask you to come. We have eight. Corey was not able to be with us this morning because he had to work. So we have eight of our nine team members, Debbie Chase, Corey Collins, who, as I said, is not here, Diane Cressy, Bethany Cook, Piper Cook, um, Billy Hoyle, Angela Hoyle, Pat Trish, and Kara Le- Karen Leskinen. So is there, we can go four and four. Go four and four. And we'll split it up. And um, what we're going to do is we're going to do two things. Yeah, parents, and that, that'll work. We're going to ask the team to, to kneel. If you'll go ahead and kneel. I'm going to ask some of you, if you are led, if you're comfortable, we're going to give you a minute to come on up. Because we want to we cover these folks with prayer. And there's power in in laying hands on our brothers and sisters. So if you want to come and just find somebody and put a hand on a shoulder, or, or yeah, certainly let the, we'll let family members get in here. Because they go as a, as a, as a representative of us, as a, as a church family. And they go to be, to be the light of Christ. If we know that uh, in Matthew, it's Matthew 5, it says, you're the light of the world. And that light needs to shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And, uh, and I came across a, so, uh, a prayer this week that said, Lord, let us not measure our church by our seating capacity, but by our sending capacity. And these brothers and sisters go as sent missionaries and ministers from the church. So we're going to do a prayer. I want to invite you to join me now. Let's pray for our team. Gracious Lord, I thank you for, for each of these individuals who have, have responded in faith responded in a willing heart to go where you would lead and to follow where you would, where you would send. I pray your blessing this morning on Debbie, on Corey, on Pat, Billy, and Angela. 
Bethany and Piper, Diane and Karen. Bless them as they go to serve Jesus, as they go to serve you to be the light of the world and to, to bring your love and your hope and your joy to those places for which they've been called. But Lord, I also know that they go not only to give, but that in each of their lives, that this week will undoubtedly be a time when they receive, when they experience a blessing. They experience a joy of being together and of serving together and, and experiencing the love of the children who they will spend time with. So, so I pray not only for what they will give in this week, but an anointing of what they will receive. Bless them for the safe travels, for a powerful, life-changing experience, and that they would be a catalyst for us, that we would continue the work to go to all places of the world to share the love of Jesus and shine your light. Bless them, we pray, in the precious, the powerful, and the ever-present name of Jesus our Lord. And let the people of God say, amen and amen. All righty. Thank you all. And so this is your charge, my friends, that in this week to come, um, especially on Thursday, but then leading throughout the, the, the seven to eight days that will follow, that you'll keep their names before you. You'll keep them in prayer. They are taking, Diane, um, how many, or um, Debbie, how many, uh, how many suitcases? Nine suitcases that are going that are not coming back. Thank you. And we're going to look forward to celebrating that in the weeks to come after they come back and, and sharing some of the stories and, and really kind of embracing this. So I'm uh, very, very excited about that and, and that opportunity and, uh, and look forward to, to celebrating that. We also, this morning, uh, welcome John and Jenny back after being in Korea. John, I decided, I decided to... Uh, in spite of what he did to me, I let him keep his job when he came back, so uh, it, was, uh, it was good, so welcome, welcome him back, and, um, and so it is a, uh, it's, it's a fun time, fun time, a lot of wonderful stuff. You know, there used to be a time uh, in the life of the church where the summer kind of everything came to a standstill, and it was a time of that, those days are gone. It changes a little bit, faces change, we certainly have a lot of friends that go up north, but uh, it feels like it stays just as busy. And, uh, and I celebrate that. I celebrate that. So we're looking forward to, to what's yet to come. We're going to turn our attention now this morning to, uh, to our text. We're going to get there actually in a few minutes. We'll go to, to Matthew 13 there. If you have your Bibles and want to bookmark it, we'll get there in a few minutes. But um, last night, it was last night, we were traveling uh, north for uh, not very far, just a couple counties north, to be with family for my niece's ninth birthday. Her ninth birthday party was, was last night, and Tony was driving. We're on Interstate 75, and, uh, and she's in the middle lane, and the kids are in the back, and I, I think I had turned, I was talking to Ryan, who was sitting behind Tony, 
And uh, I could see you know, coming up on the outside lane. It's not an uncommon thing. The, the gunner was just flying up the interstate. You know, I'm not, I'm not talking about doing a few miles over. I'm talking about, you know, practicing for Daytona kind of driving. You know, just, and flies by us like, like we're standing still. And, and that bothers me. That, that bothers me. You shouldn't be able to go faster than I'm going. And, um, or we're going. Uh, you know, we can go a couple miles over, but if you're doing that fast, that's just not right. And, uh, and I said instinctively the thought that kind of comes to my mind. Because a lot of times you see that. I don't know if you're like me. You see that and you start praying for the speed trap. Let them get caught. They need to get caught. There needs to be justice. And I never see that happen. Uh, I've, I've never seen it happen. So, so how I kind of comfort myself in that is the, the statement I said out loud to Tony. I said, it'll catch up to him. It'll catch up to him. You can't drive that fast all the time, because I assume if they're doing it now, they do it every time. They could be going to an emergency. I don't know their story, but I'm just assuming they're a bad driver every time they get in the car. And so, so my, my rationalization becomes, it'll catch up to them. And, and you know, you, it, it, so, so that's how I kind of understand justice, you know, and get some sense of justice. They're, they're going to get they're going to get it. They're going to go through that speed trap, and they're going to get that ticket that they so rightfully deserve. Because inherent in, in a lot of us, if not all of us, is that desire for, for fairness, for things to, to balance out, and for people who do wrong, to do evil, who, who, who do um, unfair or unjust things, for them to get, to get what's coming to them. That's why this week, back in the news, O.J. Simpson, right? O.J. Simpson, back in the news, parole hearing, okay? Now, there's a lot of us that didn't want him to get parole. Most, most people in the country believe, you know, he's guilty. We didn't want him to get parole. But it had nothing to do with the crime he committed, than which he was in jail for, right? Or was he in prison. It had nothing to do with that. Because if we just looked at that as a, as a microcosm, and we looked at that in... in in relationship to, to, to punishment, what other people get for that kind of a crime, he did his time. And, and most people probably wouldn't have gotten that much jail time for it and certainly would have been paroled for good behavior. So, but we didn't want that. Almost none of us wanted that because we're not looking at it that way, right? We saw that sentence as righteous punishment for the thing that everybody believes he got away with in the, in the killing of his wife and, and Ron Goldman. So... so we, we felt that when he went to jail, there was some sense of, of justice in that for the crime that he should have been accountable for previously. And, and so that's the way we, we, we tend to process. That's the way I tend to process, that it's going to come around. They're, gonna, they're going to, to get what's coming, and, and I sense, and, and I can find some satisfaction, some peace in that. problem is it doesn't always work out that way, right? I mean, we know people in your life um, and please don't blurt any names, but people you're thinking of that have gotten away with stuff. They've been unfair. They've been unjust. They've, they've taken what wasn't theirs. They've gotten credit for things they didn't deserve. They've acted immorally or, or unfaithfully in any number of ways, and it hadn't come back again. They've gotten away with it. Or, or people that have lived long, rich, successful lives who, who were rotten people. And we go, that's just not fair. Why didn't it come back around? And so... We turn to scripture this morning. We turn to a parable that Jesus teaches that at its surface level speaks to that. I think it also challenges us in a much, in a much deeper way than may initially appear. 
So, so let's turn to Matthew 13. Beginning at verse 24, this is the parable of the weeds. And this is what we read. It says, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weed among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, First, collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring them into my barn. Brothers and sisters, we pray God's blessing here on the reading of his word. Let us pray. Lord, help us to hear with faithful and obedient hearts and and ears and minds and spirits your word, your challenge, your truth as it's spoken to us today. Bless these words that I speak, that they would be of you and faithful to your, your gospel and the truth that we have in Christ Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. So, at its surface, at its, its I don't want to say most obvious message or truth, this, this parable speaks to patience. It speaks to patience. Because that is something that, for a lot of us, does not come naturally. The idea that we, we have to wait for things that we want or for, for experiences we hope that will come to pass. I mean, it's just not, it's not the way we're wired. Again, for most of us. We live in a, in a kind of an instant gratification society. And I don't know if that's different than it's ever been. I really don't know. We, we, tend to, we tend to see through the prism and the lens of, of our experiences, but I don't know that it's ever been that way. We've always wanted, I think hi, human history is full of that desire to kind of have what we want now. And, and as, but as society progresses and we get more familiar and more comfortable with instant knowledge, instant experience, instant satisfaction, uh, we crave it more. And things that, that used to be come to bother us. I mean, th- this happens at surface levels. Uh, you know, we, we, we don't like to have to wait for things. That's why newspapers are, are struggling. One of the reasons is, well, why do newspapers struggle? So it used to be that we got today's news tomorrow, right? You'd get the paper to, today, and you'd see this is what happened yesterday. Well, we live in a world because of technology. We don't have to wait till tomorrow to find out what happened today. We can find out right now. Before worship started this morning, I'm on my phone looking at ESPN to see if the leaderboard has, has teed off at the British Open. I want to see how Jordan Spieth is doing, okay? Because I can find out instantly. I can, and, or I could ask Bill over there. He probably would know and be able to tell me. He's what? Taping it, so you don't want to find out. All right. But, but we can do that now, right? We can find out instantly. Something happens in the world, and we find out immediately because of, of technology, and so that begins to shape the way we, we think and, and, and our process and the way we, we ex- our expectations. And so, you know, it's funny. We were, we were doing something not too long ago, and, and they were 
it was kind of like, do you, can you identify certain sounds? And one of the sounds in the, the, the identification was, was the sound of a dial-up modem. Do you remember those days, those of you? Dial-up modems, yeah, you know, the sound of it connecting through the phone line. You remember a time when if you were online, you couldn't make a phone call? You know, and, 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 and when a picture took two and a half minutes to slowly pixelate onto the screen. But at that time, that was amazing, right? But now we would go nuts if we had to wait that long. Because we were conditioned for it. And I think that's what happens in our spirits. It happens in our lives in far more significant ways. We become conditioned to want things immediately. So, so we want to see justice. We want to see um, accountability right away. And so things, when people aren't held accountable, begin to bother us. We want to see that, that, um, that fairness play out. And so Jesus tells this parable to people who struggle with the same thing. And a parable, it's about wheat and weeds. And, and what has happened is, is exactly what it sounds. The, the farmer sows the good seed, but the enemy, the evil one, the, the adversary, describe him however you want to, comes and sows bad seed in the field. When seed is sown, you don't know. You don't know somebody's done that. You can't tell until they begin to sprout. And all of a sudden, the servants realize that we have weeds that are growing among the good wheat. And the servants have our mentality. Let's get rid of the, the weeds. And Jesus says, wait a minute. The story's about him. And he goes on, if you want to go back later and read the, some of the, the rest of Matthew 13, he explains the parable. And he says, no, the wheat and the weeds grow together. And on the day of accountability, at the end of, you know, when, when it is all grown, then I will instruct my, my angels, my servants, they will separate by my judgment, by, by my um, determination. They will celebrate, or they will separate the wheat from the weeds, but we won't do it now because to do it now would risk upending or, or pulling out some of the good wheat. So wait, patience. And what Jesus is saying is there's a day when there will be accountability. There's, there's a day when those will be separated. People will be separated by their faithfulness. And those who were unfaithful here and those who were faithful and obedient to the way of God and the call of Christ here and and there will be that kind of accountability. We've, we've said it before. You've probably thought it before. If people get away with it, someday they'll be accountable. Someday they'll stand in the presence of God. Someday they will face judgment. And it becomes a very black and white parable of those who, who are with Christ and those who are outside the will of Christ. And, and if that's where the parable stopped, it's a pretty good parable. We like that, right? Okay, good. Got it, Lord. We're with you. We're wheat. They're not with you. They're weeds. We're wheat, they're weeds. Yay. Never quite that easy, though. And there's a problem here. And this is where it gets to be uncomfortable. See, I would, I'd be good just leaving it there. But the problem is we've we got to stop for a little and start to think about it. And you start to personalize it. And, and, and I start to look at it in my own life, and I go, yeah, Jesus, I'm, if you were telling the parable to me, I'm, I'm wheat, right? Yeah, I'm wheat because, because I, I love you. And I want to I wanna follow you, and I want to be obedient to your call, and I'll live in a holiness, so, so I'm, I'm wheat. Except when I'm not. Except when obedience gets overshadowed by selfishness. Except when your grace gets overshadowed by my ego. Except when your patience gets overshadowed by my pride. And, and my temper gets the better of me, and I lash out at people who don't deserve it. Except when my selfishness gets the better of me and I put the things of God aside for the things of me. Uh, except 
for when I hear your voice, Lord, but I don't like it. So I'd rather do what I want to do. And all of a sudden I go, well, am I wheat? Or am I weeds? See, and the problem is it's just not as clean as we want it to be. We like clear definitions. We like good guys and bad guys. But it just it doesn't work that way. And I think about it, I was thinking about it, just the way we describe other people sometimes. You know, we used to joke around, and, and still my, my family, when somebody does something um, dumb, my father and my brothers may say something like, you know what, he's not playing with a full deck. He's not playing with a full deck. There's a number of ways we describe that. The porch light's on, nobody's home. Ham- or the wheels turn and the hamster's dead. Um, Elevator doesn't go always to the top floor. There are a few clowns short of a circus. Or my personal favorite, if they had a second brain, it would be lonely. Okay? Some of you are thinking, who are you going to use those on? I know. Here's the, here's the thing about that. At least for me, maybe for you, that always describes somebody else. You know? It's always somebody else who I'm talking about with that. How many times would that describe me? More times than I probably care to admit. I asked Tony and the kids last night, I said, can you guys name some dumb things I've done? (laughs) And asking that question quickly became the dumbest thing I could have done. (laughs) You know... We can fill that list. You know, I get mad at people who do dumb things on the road. I, I consider myself a safe, conscious, respectful driver. You know, Tony reminded me, we were talking a few years ago, traveling through Atlanta on vacation. You know how Atlanta constantly, if you're in the interstate in Atlanta, it's constantly forking left and right. Left. I got myself in the far left lane when I needed to get on the, the right fork. I had four lanes to cross. In one of the absolute dumbest moves of my entire life, without any thought... I cut across four lanes of road. I don't know why. It was asinine. It's by God's grace I didn't get somebody killed, including ourselves. I don't know. I mean, it sounds funny, but at the time it was not funny. And Tony let me know it was not funny. (laughs) I had that moment. It was just one of those moments you just react without thinking, and you do something incredibly dumb. And I have those kind of stories, and you have those kind of stories in your life. And so it doesn't become near as, as clean as we want it to be. And, and I think about those weeds and that wheat and the fact that part of the problem with uprooting weeds from wheat is that the roots have grown together. They become very much intertwined. And as much as I want this parable to be about us and them or about, you know, the good and the bad and clear lines, I realize that the problem is I'm in both places. I'm both wheat and weeds. And so it's not just about patience. This parable very much becomes about mercy. It very much becomes about mercy because of the one who is judge. Jesus lived in a time when Pharisees and other religious leaders, not unlike today, in a lot of walks of life, want to categorize and judge. You're outside faithfulness. You're outside obedience. You don't think right, act right, behave right. We do this politically. We do this religiously. We do this in a number of fronts. But we become judge. Look, again, the problem is when we judge, we're usually in and somebody else is out. And we create the standard. 
I, I've, I've told you before some of the, I, I had a, a seminary professor who was a Lutheran, a German Lutheran. And, uh, and this was his joke, so I'm not picking on Lutherans if that's your background. But he said, he described his church, he said, we're the kind of people that would sit in the basement of our church, drinking a beer, talking about the evil of dance. Okay? Think about it. You know, and, and uh, other truth, uh, you know, I've, I, had a, I had a woman once at a church I served was talking about how bad it was to drink while she was smoking a cigarette. Okay? Now, I'm not picking on any one group. I'm just saying we clearly, when we get to define, we're in and somebody else is out. And that's a very, um, that, that line moves. That, that, that line's not in soft. And we're not very graceful. I'm not very graceful. The hope of the story is not just that we're in both of those places. And the message is that it's not our role to judge. We seek holiness. We take stands for faithfulness. But we never stand against people. We never stand in judgment as if somehow we are better than. We stand together with. And Jesus reminds us, but judging is me. I judge. On that final day, not one of us are going to be in the throne room making the decisions. I judge. And why that is so hopeful, why that is so merciful, is because we are judged by the ones. We, we are in the hands of the one whose hands were wounded for us. We stand in, in judgment of the one who one day will separate us from ourselves, in, if you want to understand it that way. That, that that evil desire that sometimes invades our hearts, that selfishness, that sinfulness, will one day be cut away from who we are as we come into the fullness of who God has created us to be. And that is a message of hope. That's a message of promise because, again, I can't put myself, I want to be wheat, but I know there's a lot of weediness, weediness in my life. And I thank God for hands of mercy that one day will judge me by my willingness to be submissive to Christ, but also won't judge me because of the sin that too often permeates my life. But will pour his mercy because, as we sang, that's how much he loves us. That's the desire of his pursuit. And we must remember that. And so I think about it, and it wasn't my image. Leonard Sweet did this image, but uh, an egg separator. How many of you have an egg separator in your kitchen that separates the, the yolk from the white? You pour that thing in, and, and it holds the yolk, and the white just falls away. Anyway, I think someday of, of Christ's hands that hold my life. And one day in his judgment, in his grace, in his time, that selfish, sinful, disobedient part of me that I am so sometimes ashamed of will just pour through those wounded hands and the, the core of who I've been created to be, the son who's loved by the father, the child who who sometimes lets his own nature take control, that nature will just pass away as I become fully who God has created me to be. And I am thankful for that. I'm thankful for that mercy. And it will take time. And I will pursue Jesus until my last breath. But I know I will fall short. And I know the hands that hold me will one day bring, bring me in his grace and mercy to the perfection I seek. So am I wheat? Yeah. Am I weeds? Yeah. But I'm always in the hand of Jesus, and there's no better place to be. Amen. Let's pray.
Lord, thank you for your mercy, for your grace, that you alone judge, because to our own devices we would be in a lot of trouble, but in your mercy we are made pure and holy. So we thank you for that, and we pray your spirit would continue to move us in obedience, that we would pursue holiness and faithfulness all the days of our life, but one day we know that the work of perfection will be completed in your wonderful hands. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.